Welcome to Success Authority's Conversation Street with Leadership Authority, Peter Beaumont, and with Business Culture Authority, Ron Lehman, and me, Linda Ruland, Success Authority's founder. Have you done any research into why there appears to be more stress for leaders now? Or is it just common sense? We, we, we kind of know what it is. It really introduces a lot of a uncertainty, lack of a predictability, and lack of a progress. So those are the three big psychological factors when it comes to stress. Lack of a control, lack of a predictability, and lack of a progress. Well, hmm. we talk about control, but predictability is very difficult to predict how everything's going to go or what's going to happen down the road with the recession looming, with the bank failures, with strikes and the labor shortage, leaders have a hard time to pre- predicting what the demand is going to be, you know, how I'm going to get the right staff and how, you know, what's the revenue will be like. It's a lot more difficult for them to predict what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So there's lack of a predictability. That's a huge, huge psychological stressor mm-hmm. and lack of progress. Well, during COVID, couple the first year of COVID was kind of hard. And the second year, I saw a lot of business, they had the record years. The demand went up and uh, a lot of people had a lot of free money or free cash to spend or a spare money to spend. And so their business a lot of boomed tremendously. They got record years, record revenues. But now things kind of calmed down last year because and people with the looming recession, with inflation, people held back their spending. So for leaders, you know, boom, they had a high and they had a low. So that's not progress. That's, we call that setback. When you have a big setback like that, that's a huge, huge stressor. There's lack of a progress, lack of a predictability, and lack of a control. Mm-hmm. Those are all piling on. They're all, they're all piling on to cause more stress for leaders. That's a good answer. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, that's really Right on. Sorry, Gron. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, you, you know, you mentioned COVID, and I was just having this conversation with someone in the healthcare business about those first weeks of COVID, where there was none of those things. We didn't have any. We didn't have uh, control. We didn't have predictability. We didn't have progress as as individuals. And it was, you know, the talk of a vaccine or understanding what this was, was just, it was all so amorphous. And uh, we were both talking about all the things that were talked about in those beginning weeks that were, you know, well, we could try this and we could try this, we can try this. But what we both kind of came to was now looking back, the progress was really astonishing. Um, historically mm-hmm. speaking, the, the, mm-hmm. to get a, a, a vaccine out to all the number of people that did in the amount of time it took is unprecedented. But when we were in the middle of it, there was no, no sign of anything. And I think that was probably those, those first few days and weeks when we it didn't know what this was, was very stressful. But in retrospect, looking back went, Oh, okay, well that happened, but you know, it got taken care of. So here we are. Um, and at the, as the perspective shifts, um, mm-hmm. It's. I think for me, it's important to remember what those early days were like because, you know, just today I was I was at the doctors and in, even in the hospital, there's people without masks, and we've just kind of got into this place oh. where well, it's all taken care of now, 
um, until mm-hmm. you hear that someone you know got COVID. Yeah. And then this, my, my stress level goes up and right away it's like, oh my God, well, you, you know, it's not gone. So, you know, you describe that up and down. It's the same thing with an individual as I feel my stress goes up around COVID and then it goes back down and then it goes up. But it's those three things that you just mentioned that just personally, I experienced that. Mm-hmm. Realistically, though, I mean, when we're in status of change, like you mentioned, Ron, with COVID, and there is the need in the calling to innovate, to do things differently. It's very hard, obviously, to do any predictive predictive planning. So it seems to me that that's just part of what life looks like today and going forward. Is it not that we can or should control whether or not we can predict, or is it to, that we need to look at how we perceive some of these conditions? I certainly think there's a uh, that you know first understanding what you can control and what you can't, um, and then focusing on those things you can. And then in terms of predictability, I think you know when you talk about innovation, innovation is almost by nature unpredictable. Yeah. So you're sort of embracing the unpredictability. And, mm-hmm. you know, one of the things, and, and, you know, I know we've talked about this in the past, but I think one response that leaders sometimes make is to not do anything. It's like, let, let's wait and see. Mm. Um, and then you have others who say, let's, you know, ready, shoot, aim. Let's try stuff. Okay, that didn't work. And, you know, it's fail quickly. Let's try things. Didn't work. Next thing, next thing, next thing. Because I think that then gives you a sense of progress that you're at least learning and trying things. And um, it's frustrating when everyone just, you know, let's have another meeting and and talk about it Um, or another discussion of the problem as opposed to let's try some things. And, and I think those fast movers or those, those leaders that are willing to take some chances and risks, I think they get through it more quickly, but I have no, empirical evidence about that so um i was just while you were talking ron um just made me think we've talked about the lack of uh, three things predictability control and progress for leaders which cause stress um i'm wondering what the factors are for employees control seems to be one of those mm-hmm. maybe indecision is one that ron just brought up um uh, I don't know. What's your thoughts on that, Terry? Is it the same? It's pretty, it's pretty much the same. When leaders don't really have clear idea of what's going to happen, they lack predictability, and they mm-hmm. cannot communicate clearly to their employees or followers. And that murky con- communication can be a stressor for the employees because they don't know what's going to, what's going to happen. There's mm-hmm. a lack of predictability for them as well. A lack of progress. Well, if the company is doing well last year and uh, it's not doing well now, and there's a setback for the company, and then for the, for the employees, do I still have my job six months from now? So there's lack of predictability and lack of progress. I don't know whether you know I should send out my resume or not. So these are all these factors affect both the leaders and the employees as well. Mm. 
And I think too, we're kind of a just kind of like a non-descriptive. Yeah, and it, you know, and the predictability part, just with what I was saying earlier about, let's say that the leader adopts an innovation and says, okay, well, we're going to try a lot of things and see what works. That might be perceived as unpredictability uh, by mm-hmm. the employees. It's like, well, let's just pick one way and go. Um, so that has to be framed, in, in, as you mentioned. You got to frame that and say it's going to be predictably unpredictable for a while. And mm-hmm. but the, but the we're, it's predictable. We're going to try things and keep and and find something that that works for us. So again, I, I think in so many leadership messages, it's it's as much about the framing. And understanding the things that you've talked about is this is how humans take on board messages. And you have to really think about um, the perceptions, you know, how could this be taken and really framing it and and also just being honest about it. Um, I think sometimes leaders kind of tend to try and, you know, make it, let's not scare everybody. Um, mm-hmm. But they're we're humans. We're going to be scared. We can get scared all by ourselves. Um, and sometimes even bad news, if you get it, it's easier to deal with than something that you think, well, I think this is really bad, but they're all, the leaders are saying, no, 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 don't worry about anything, you know? And uh, so again, this whole framing and communication, it, 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 I mean, it, everything seems to always come back to that is that, the result of all communication is misunderstanding. <laughs> so right. we have to just acknowledge that. And and that's, you know, I know that's part of the things you do too, Terry, is just how humans take on board information and make decisions, um, which yeah. I think is fascinating. <laughs> just yeah. we are fascinating beings. So just to dovetail on Ron's point, sometimes when leaders don't really know what's going to happen, say, six months from now, but at least you have a pretty good idea what's going to happen a month from now. At least communicate that to your employees. Even give people that short-term predictability is better than not giving them predictability at all. So just like about reframing, you know, you cannot do this. No one can predict what's going to happen, say, six months from now, whether the you know more banks will fail or with the debt ceiling is going to cause some big default, some really chaos. No one can predict that. But at least say, okay, a month from now, the job is secure. We're going to have steady flow of revenues and we're going to be fine. So you kind of narrow down the framework and narrow down the perspective. And that can give people, give the employees a sense of predictability. Yeah. You know, as you were talking, I was, I was thinking about a leader I worked with once and it's, it's, he felt that he had to always uh, communicate that he was, um, he was certain he was confident and he had the answers and even when he Mm -hmm. didn't and he he felt like he could never say i don't know or i'm not sure Mm -hmm. he had to be always you know confident whenever he was speaking to the company or speaking to anyone but privately he was had lots of doubts and as we're talking i just think that was a huge source of stress for him that he had to Mm -hmm. put on this act almost um and and you know it was afraid of what will people you know what will they they'll get scared or what if if there isn't this strong confident person um but eventually he started being (laughs) more authentic and just the opposite happened people leaned into it and said we'll support you we'll help you 
Um, and and just by saying, I'm not sure. I need I need answers from you all, um, because he mm-hmm. had he he realized that he had sort of taught his employees to wait for him to come up with the answer, and he and so they didn't have to think or be creative or whatever it was. And that was a huge shift for him. Um, but I just remember him being very stressed about, you know, kind of having to get up for conversations and meetings and things. And, and, and I don't think he did much better thinking when he wasn't so stressed. So (laughs) ironically, he was so concerned about the message he was going to send. And then he didn't have the answers when he reduced that stress. He suddenly had more answers. (laughs) So it was, uh, it was interesting. I spent a year with him just to watch his kind of transition Mm -hmm. over that. And I, I, I would ask everybody here, is that an experience that you run into with leaders that they feel they have to be perfect or the, the, the strong man or strong woman theory of leadership? Oh yeah, and I, I've written about it actually in articles, in, in pieces of articles, because that that that's what I call self-induced stress, um, <laughs> because suddenly you're a leader, and therefore you uh, you have to have all the answers. That's what you're. I think that's. I'd like to say that's old-style leadership, Ron, and that's what we see. Uh, but unfortunately, it's still current because a lot of the people who think like that are still in those jobs as leaders. Mm-hmm. But I do see that changing. I do see younger leaders being much more embracing uh, and facilitating more than they're leading, but they're facilitators. They facilitate ideas around the table rather than say, now this is what we've got to do because mm-hmm. I'm a leader. Therefore, I will lead rather than, you know, hey, what's everybody think about this? So here's the problem. I don't have the solution. I think the combination of that solutions around this table. What, what does everybody think? Uh, I'll make the decision because that is a leader. Somebody has to make it. It's not a democracy. But what does everybody feel about it? And by the way, when we make the decision, I want your commitment that even if you don't agree with that decision, you're still going to follow it. That's yeah. leadership. That's yeah. leadership. It's even that that sort of you know heroic leader thing is coming from from history. I, I read a, a a book that basically said you know that Alexander the Great. I mean that's a pretty good leadership title right there. You know the Great, um, but they had this whole sense that he ran you know did all these amazing things, um, but it wasn't quite that way as as always. As they looked into it, he had the ability to get the people around him to be creative and do different things. And he made the decisions, but he always had input from, you know, his father and others. Um, So even that, you know, hallmark of one, you know, one person who led, you know, created an amazing empire. Now he, he had a lot of help. And the other thing it triggered was the famous quote from Alfred Sloan of General Motors he was having a meeting and, you know, everybody was in agreement about something. And he said at the end, he said, well, um, I suggest that we end this meeting. And because we're all in agreement, I think we ought to go away and think about this and do more research until we can come back and we have some disagreement, which I thought was really an interesting leadership skill to say, yeah, we're all in agreement. Um, and he was might have been in agreement, too, but he said it's too much agreement. We need to look at this deeper. 
it's, it's fascinating that because uh, healthy conflict is what's needed to surface alternative ideas. Yeah. And I think leaders too often jump to what you just described, which is everybody agrees, so I must be right. I must yeah. be right. Um, yeah. So, and I think that leads to poor decision making. I really do because you haven't mined all the alternatives. And we circle back to trust. Is I need to trust that it's okay for me to speak up. Yeah. Because if everybody thinks one thing, you know, it's 12 angry men. If you've got that one juror who holds out, that's a courageous decision to be, you know, the skunk at the picnic who is the only one who always <laughs> says this, I don't agree with any of this. Um, and then how people respond to that, especially the leader. Um, it's, you know, this, this just, as, as you said, Terry, it's just this spiral and mm-hmm. um, it's, it's constant. You, you get constant reinforcement on on things all day long. And uh, so bring everybody back into the office and let's watch the fun. Uh, it should be fascinating because, um, you know, it's, it's the human condition. I think the leader is wise to, I mean, I think that's why your messages are always so powerful, Terry, because every leader needs to understand that don't worry about the robots. They'll be fine. It's the humans that, and, and how we all show up. Um, right. If you can recognize and manage that, I mean that that's a large percentage of the issues that you're having go away, mm-hmm. or yeah. start to go away anyway. Ron, you really made a good point about some leaders. They pretend that they have all the answers. They can predict the future. They have the right answer. Uh, they have the right strategies, but pretending that you're not stressed while you're under stress, you're actually just creating a, you, you just have to create a stressor for yourself. Pretending, suppressing your natural emotions, you're stressed out. And then I have to pretend that I'm not stressed and you get yourself a huge stressor there. So it's not, and then when we're under stress, the thing, the, the, the dangerous thing about stress is it actually makes you make bad decisions. And your decision-making ability got impaired. And that's why when leaders get stressed out, they start making dumb decisions. And dumb decisions lead to bad outcomes. And bad outcomes come back to help them, well, cause more stress. Another big vicious circle. Yeah. And then all your worst fears come true. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and you know, as you alluded to, and this is all in addition to the health issues that come from stress, the physical yes. and, and um, issues that come from it. And it's, it's, it's pretty scary reading uh, when you look at the list of things that, um, you know, starting with su- suppressing your immune system, which, you know, I think in the last few years, we've all become frighteningly aware of how important that is. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of good reasons to not be stressed. And, and you know, if only it were that easy. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Conversation Street. For more information or to submit a question, email successauthorities at inquire at successauthorities.com.